This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Happiness. We all want it, but most of us have absolutely no idea what it is to begin with. So what exactly is happiness and how do we attain it? I'm Dashran Johan and this is Today I Learned. On the show with me today is Dr. Joel Lowe. He's a clinical psychologist. Welcome to the show, Dr. Joel. I want to start by asking you the big question, very difficult to define, I'm sure. What exactly is happiness? Hi, thanks for having me. You're right. Happiness is hard to define because I think ultimately ha- being happy is an emotion, right? right? It's something that we feel when something occurs, right? So it's as simple as explanation as that. Lah. And I think because of that, everyone's idea or everyone's uh, iteration of happiness is going to be very different from person to person, from time to time even, right? From situation to situation. And I think that's why it's such, it's, you can never really identify or encapsulate what happiness means like, to any one person like that. Sense, right? Right. Um, I think it's better experienced, you know, I think to, to explain happiness to someone, I think it's a, it's a, fan, it's a waste of time. <laughs> it's, it's much better for them to experience it and then you'll know what general uh, happiness means. But right. if you want to break it down into more scientific terms, happiness is an emotion. It's one of mm-hmm. our primary emotions alongside uh, angry, sad, and scared, right? So happiness, happy, being happy is another one of those basic primal emotions that we have. Like. And from there, right. stems all those other emotions like joy, elation, uh, proud, uh, proudness, and things like that, like, right? Right. Uh, it's something that happens to us, like I said just now, whenever we encounter certain situations and it triggers this emotion in us. Like. So mm-hmm. at the fundamental level, that's what, hap- what happiness is, like. So you brought up like these other emotions that sort of um, can be derived or, or perhaps run parallel to happiness, like like joy and elation. Um, yep. Is there a difference though between um, happiness and other similar emotions, um, even some something like pleasure, for example? Yeah, um, I think that's a really good question. So those are what we call secondary emotions, right? And right. typically secondary emotions are derived from the primary ones, of course, but with an added um, added something, right? So like, for example, I think you mentioned elation, right? So that mm-hmm. means, let's say, that's something you feel when you win a race, for example, or win a competition. So happiness is because you won, but because it's a competition that you've been working for for a long time, for example, you you beat out a hundred different competitors. So it amplifies that emotion a lot more and that's why it's elation. So it's a much stronger emotion in that sense, right? right. Pleasure, on the other hand, is also happiness, but because it, pleasure is something that you get when you are engaged in activity, right? So let's say you're eating your favorite food or doing something, your favorite hobby, for example, and you have pleasure doing so. So it is happiness, but it's mixed in with that um, satisfaction, I think, about doing something that you enjoy and you you crave, like, in that sense, like, right? Right. So those secondary emotions typically, uh, you know, the base emotion, happy, combined with anything else or whatever else, uh, situational factors, like, I suppose, are, that are built into that environment or that situation. And then that gives you that secondary emotion, uh, typically. Right. And what is so fascinating about this, right, is, is like you mentioned, it's very difficult to, to really quantify or really you know, dive down and, and pinpoint a specific definition of what right. ha- happiness is. So right. how do yourself and, and other psychologists and all, how do you all study happiness? It's a, it's a chore. <laughs> uh, I there's no direct measure for it, right? So it's right. not like, you know, your, your BMI, you can measure someone's weight and height and then you get, you know, concrete, tangible answers and you know what it is, right? You know what your mm-hmm. BMI is. 
But again, because happiness is something that is so uh, arbitrary, you know, it's different from person to person. What we rely on then is contextual information. Mm. Okay, let me give you a, a good example of this, right? Um, when one of the ways we measure happiness is using um, Likert scales, right? So Likert scales are basically your one to seven scales, where one is when you feel um, uh, angry. Uh, the opposite of happy is what sad, sorry, no angry. Right. Um, four being no emotion and then seven being happy, right? And then we ask you to rate an event, right? So let's say your birthday, you know, that might be a five or six, you know, um, getting the minor fender bender, that could be a two or three, for example. So it's never really a concrete measure of happiness. It's really about a scale kind of thing. So it's like your your take on it, right? Right. And that's the, the, the struggle that we have. That's why I say it's a chore because ultimately, if you have someone who's a bit more stoic, a bit more stereotypically Asian, for example, <laughs> their scores will tend to trend lower, you know what I mean? As opposed right. to someone what more happy-go-lucky, uh, cheerful, you know, um, you know, happy-happy, joy-joy kind of thing, then everything will trend much higher, right? Right. So, what we'll do then is we aggregate these scores. So across the population, then we'll see, generally speaking, what kind, what, what, what's a happiness score, what's a happiness rating, for example, and things like that. So when a person comes to you or, or when, you, when you talk to people and this person says, I am happy, I am a happy mm. person, I'm happy in my life. What does mm. that mean exactly? Because, um, you know, like some of the feelings that you described earlier, or some of the secondary emotions that can be mm. derived from happiness, you don't, experience that 24 7 um yeah. for me for me to experience a sense of elation i need to be like you said doing some sort of um, activity being engaged yep. with it i score a goal during a futsal match and i get yep. that that yep. rush right yeah, but you don't right. feel that all the time so when mm. i if someone comes to you and says i'm a happy person what does that mean mm. i think if someone comes to me and says they're a happy person I two things can be happening one right. is something recently that's happened that they're happy about um, you know, let's say my, my poor suffering Arsenal winning a match, you know, <laughs> uh, that makes me really happy, for example. So the next morning, I am happy when I talk to my friend who is a Manu fan who's suffering right now. I say, yeah, I'm happy. Of course, I'm happy in relation right. to you. Happy, right? mm-hmm. um, or it's maybe a misuse of the word happy. And maybe it's not happiness. It's about it, what they're actually feeling is contentness, ah. you know, calmness, serenity. People oftentimes think that the absence of negativity is... Uh, happiness you know what I mean right if and you're not sad it means you're happy which isn't always the case sometimes you're just okay la. You yeah know, and that's, that's fine as well so what's and the difference then between a, con- a content and, and happiness happiness is when something happens and then it triggers right. an emotional response mm-hmm. from you right? contentness is just being okay with what's going on there's nothing too significant to worry about there's nothing that is alarming you or triggering you for example or anything like that and everything is quite comfortable right so it's just okay la. I'm fine. Right. That's, and again, like I said, some, we are so wired to have this bipolar idea of happy versus sad kind of thing. It's like, you know, if I'm not happy, then I'm sad. Right. So if I'm not sad, then automatically I'm happy. But maybe you're not. Maybe you're just, okay, you're fine. You're all right, you know. Hmm. Is happiness a personality or a genetic trait? Uh, <laughs> and I ask this because are some people just naturally happier than others. They, mm. They're born and then they just experience and process things differently in their lives and, yeah. they, and they're just always yeah. happy. Maybe not always, mm. but just happier than some people happier. who are, they don't, they don't perhaps process the, everything that goes on in their life in a, or yeah. take everything that goes on in their life in a more positive or happy manner. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is one of those, um, you know, 
um, universal timeless questions that people try and ask. <laughs> like, is, is, is it a nurture versus nature thing? Are right. Born happy or born, like you said, more you have a predilection towards being happy or being sad kind of thing. Right? Uh, the, the honest, the goodness answer is I don't know. Right. Mm. Um, and I think theoretically speaking, so there are lots of different ideas and theories and hypotheses on, on, on this topic. Right. Uh, from my perspective as a, as a therapist, you know, my 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 practice, I do something called CBT, uh, cognitive behavior therapy. And mm-hmm. the premise of CBT says that um, I think therefore I am. Right. It's the thoughts and beliefs that I have that really colors the way I see the world around me. Right. Right. So naturally, if I have a lot more negative thoughts, for example, I'll see everything through a negative filter. So no matter how good the situation is or so, I'll only see the bad bits. Right. Mm. And alternatively, if I have a lot more positive thoughts, then naturally everything I see will be uh, filtered through a positive lens. And no matter how bad the situation is, I'll see it from a more positive lens like that. Right. Right. So from my perspective, is it nature versus nature? I think it's a combination of both, right? I think naturally some of us are a bit more, have a bit more negative thoughts. We're a bit more cautious. We're a bit more catastrophizing in our thoughts for whatever reason in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. But going by my model, what that also means is that I have the ability to change my thoughts. I can right. change the way I shape my thoughts as well. So those people who are naturally buoyant, naturally happy, I don't think they're naturally, so to speak. I think sometimes you make a conscious decision to look at things a certain way or choose to see certain things and discard other things. I think that conscious choice sometimes is really, really important. A lot right. of times people forget that happiness, as as, as vague and as, as, as um, fluffy as it sounds, right? Choosing to be happy is actually not entirely wrong in that sense, right? Right. I would probably tweak it a little bit and say, instead of choosing to be happy, you choose what thoughts you want to focus on, right? Because you can't stop the thoughts that come in your head. You, when you, whenever something happens, you have a million and one thoughts filtering through your head. Mm. But you get to choose what thoughts you want to focus on and that will then ultimately lead to you being, you know, happier, sadder, angrier, sadder, whatever it is, like, in that sense, right? Right. So, that's why I think people mean uh, that's I think that's the more accurate version of choosing to be happy is to choose to have thoughts that are more positive or more functional, more rational, and that will lead you to more happy outcomes like, rather than negative ones. Like. Right. And with that in mind, does a person's environment can it contribute to the way they process this? Um, you know, like you said, choosing um to to look at things through a positive or for or a happier, um, uplifting sort of lens versus uh, the mm-hmm. negative side of things. I'm wondering if, let's say you grew up in a family um, and the family mm-hmm. is this loving family and they're always very positive and upbeat. Um, can that yep. influence that, that person to have that sort of outlook on life versus let's say you're growing up in a family where um, emotions and, and, and situations are always sort mm-hmm. of processed negatively yeah. um, um, with anger and, mm-hmm. and sadness being the overwhelming sort of emotion. Can that influence a person to view yeah. the world that way? Definitely. I think in the sense that because of the environment that I'm, I grew up in, right, it naturally mm-hmm. shapes the thoughts that I have or the way I see the world. Right. So because of that, they could uh, lend towards uh, bias, like towards either negative or positive emotions uh, or thoughts and then ultimately emotions. Like. But I think it's also important to remember that you know personal choice is still quite important. right? So for example, using the examples that you gave, if let's say this person came from a, a more a negative family, let's say a, let's let's go to the extreme, an abusive family. Okay, mm. if that's let's say you have two brothers living with an abusive dad, for example, right? If the theory is uh, constant, right, it means the idea is a constant. That means if I come up from a negative environment, therefore I have negative thoughts, and therefore I'll be an angry person growing up. 
how do you then explain all those people who come from abusive families who don't turn up that way, who turn right. out to be quite functional, quite, you know, quite okay, happy even, and maybe even a total 180 from their abusive uh, parents, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that suggests to me, right? Gives me some indication or give me some idea that Yes, environment does shape or give you the foundation from where to, to start from. But then again, it's still the individual's choice. Like what do I then choose to focus on? Right? right? Because that will ultimately play a bigger role, I would think, in determining how you feel after the fact. Hmm. Dr. Joel, can happiness be measured? Only by you, for yourself. <laughs> okay. I think. Right. Um, for example, you know, and I used this example before like, with a friend of mine, like, right? Someone might be, like, I'll use a, a inverse example to, to like, highlight my, my, my example here, right? Someone might be sad because they couldn't afford the latest iPhone, right? Right. But another person could be sad because they couldn't afford a meal, right? Mm. Who's to say that the iPhone person's sadness isn't the same as the person who couldn't afford a meal, Right. You you can't arbitrarily say, oh yeah, because yours is a first world problem. No, that's that's nothing to be sad about. The the food one is a lot more sadder. You know, I think that's very it's too simplistic for us to argue that way, Right? Ultimately, if it's important to you, then it's important to you. If you are sad about it, you're sad about it. So inverse is the same as well. What makes you happy and what makes me happy could be very very different, right? For example, your what's your what's your favorite food, Dashan? My mom's mutton curry. Exactly. So that's your mutton curry, your mom's mutton curry, right? I might try your mom's mutton curry and say, hey, I don't like that. I like my grandma's one better, right? So I think whenever people try and um, uh, measure the length of their horns, I think that's how the saying goes, and see Mm -hmm. who's happier or what's happier, like those kind of um, polls that people do, world's happiest nation and things like that and all that. Uh I always wonder, how, how do you measure happiness, right? I mean, like a Malaysian version of happiness is what abundance of food uh, and being able to go out and yum chow with my friends and mamaks at three o'clock in the morning watching Arsenal lose football games, right? right? For example, as opposed to someone in Switzerland where they might enjoy a cup of wine and, and cheese and whatever they have over there, like that sense, right? So I've always wondered how do they come up with a measure that's fair enough to measure happiness across the board? And I really doubt they can, you know? Right. Uh, maybe I'm being too individualistic in that sense, like that. I don't know. Maybe that's my bias as a therapist, right? Um, but yeah, I think there is no measure of happiness. It's really for you to measure for yourself, right? And it's something that will continually change and shift and grow as you get older and new experiences and things like that. On the show with me today is Dr. Joel Lowe, clinical psychologist. After the break, I ask him how we can go about attaining happiness. Keep it here on Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Today I Learned. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Dr. Joel Lowe. He's a clinical psychologist and we're talking about happiness. So Dr. Joel, how true is the phrase money can't buy happiness? I think that's true because again, can you buy an emotion? I don't think you ever can. All right? I think when people say that um, I've got money therefore I'm happy I do always wonder then what the definition of happy is la. and I think like what we said just now maybe it's not so much happy it's just contentness right? right if I've got X amount of dollars in the bank then I know that I am safe I'm secure I don't have to worry about my next meal a roof over my head and things like that and that's not happy that's contentment, contentment right I'm, mm. I'm satisfied I'm okay with it I think what money can do instead is to buy you uh, stuff right 
be it um, tangible uh, products like a, a handbag or a phone or a car or a house or whatever it is. And for some people that can give you that immediate jolt of happiness, which, which is fine. I think that's why retail therapy is such a popular thing, right? On the other hand, you can also use money to buy experiences, right? Like right. for example, going to holidays or, or rock climbing or, or skydiving or whatever it is. And then you have those experiences that again, make you more happy in perhaps a more uh, long-term kind of way. Lah. It's more, it's more, it's more entrenched lah, put it that way, lah, versus you buying a new phone, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what money can do. Money can buy you things that gives you moments of happiness, right? right. I think that's visible rather than saying money can buy you happiness because that one, I don't think it's going to work. Lah. I don't see how that's going to work. Are there aspects that primarily contribute to one's happiness? And I'm not saying that, okay, if you make 10,000 bucks, then you're... Uh, 10% happy, then you make 20,000 bucks, uh, you're 20% happy. Because that, like you said, you cannot you cannot put, uh, you know, it's not directly correlated in, in that sense. Yeah. But you also brought up this idea of contentment, right? And I wonder mm. if various aspects that make you content can contribute to one's happiness. For example, having enough money that you don't have mm. to worry about um, your, your children um, not being mm. able to, to you know, have food on the table, for example, or yeah. uh, health. Um, you, mm. know, you don't have to worry if you're, if you're fit, you're physically active, you don't get sick too often, you don't have to go mm. to the hospital too often. You know, mm. that, could that contribute to happiness? Yeah. Or perhaps like social relationships you know, mm-hmm. how healthy your relationships are with your people uh, or are yeah. you like a, someone who's just always alone and you don't have friends, you don't have a healthy family and things like that. Could mm-hmm. these aspects contribute to one ha- one's happiness? I think they definitely could. But to, to, to say that there are certain parameters that are better than others, I think that one is going to be, it's hard to, to define that way. Right. right? I think happiness, ultimately, at the end of the day, we have to accept that it is an arbitrary individual personal experience, right? And there really is no way for you to dictate, like like you said, like, you know, is it social relationship? Is it money? Is it health? Is it whatever, you know? It, it's impossible because what you like and what makes you happy, Darshan, is very different from what I, what makes me happy and all the right. reasons out there. So it's very, very different, right? And I think ultimately you yourself need to go out and do as many things as you can, try as many experiences as you're able to and find that own meaning of happy that you have or that you you want, I think. And also remembering that what made you happy now or, or five years ago, 10 years ago, is not the same thing that's going to make you happy five years later or 10 years later, right? Mm. So our ability to be agile enough, I suppose, to uh, let experiences, time, our own preferences dictate our own version of happy needs to be quite important, right? right. So like, for example, I'm a dad of two, right? Um, my, my oldest is seven now. You take me back 20 years ago, right? When I was a not young, not so strapping <laughs> lad, you know, my version of happiness is what? Hanging out with my friends till late at night, you know, going to cyber cafes to play games, right. uh, going to drinks and all that. That was happy to me because I was with my friends and I was connected to them, right? Mm-hmm. Now as a dad of two, um, with a trio and a seven-year-old at home, my idea of happy is just watching them go crazy with one another, as in not fighting, but playing together, right. being with my wife, watching them play and knowing that, hey, I've done enough to take care of them, everyone's safe and secure. I'm happy then, right? That mm-hmm. gives me that moment of happiness, right? Whenever that's uh, something that we have. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good uh, illustration of how happiness changes along the way, Right. This is our ability to say, identify like, when or what makes us happy. I think that's important. And that's your definition of happy, like, I think. Right. 
when patients come to you, Dr. Joel, and they say, you know, mm. they, they come for you for a session, it's their first session, and they say, Doctor, I'm, I'm not happy. Um, I'm mm. not happy with my life. I'm just not a happy person. What do they right. usually mean? That will probably be my first question, asking them what do they right. mean by not being happy? You know, where does mm. that uh, unhappiness, you know, uh, so to speak, come from, right? Because ultimately that would suggest that there's something that they are dissatisfied with, there's something that they are longing, you know, there's something that they have lost, for example, or whatever, what have you learned in that sense. And I think once we can deconstruct or move away from the idea that happiness is, um, how do I say it? I think a lot of times people mistake happiness for a goal, right? They think that that's where I want to be. That's like a, almost like a, a presence of mind or state of mind, sorry, or a right. place where I want to be. And that's really, really bad way to look at it because emotions, like any emotion is fleeting, right? Like your fear, for example, you go and watch The Exorcist, it scares the pejeebas out of you. But after that, <laughs> you don't believe, right? Right. Um, you want to do, you think you've got a fever, you run a fever and you've got a flu symptoms, you do your COVID test. Until the COVID test results come back, you're full of fear and anxiety. And then after that, that's a negative. You're like, okay, fear's gone, right? Looking at happiness as a place to end up at is a really bad thing because it's never going to stay. It's going right. to be happy for a while, but after that, it's going to go away, isn't it? So once we can deconstruct that idea that happiness is where I want to be to happiness is this something I want to feel along the way, uh, then that really takes that pressure off about wanting to be happy all the time, right? Right. Then we can talk about meeting your goals, uh, reaching your dreams, doing what you want to do, what's your passion, what's your drives. And along the way, if you become happy, great. Fantastic. Congratulations, a bonus. Lah. But that right. should never be our end goal, I think. Okay, then help me deconstruct that a little bit because that is a question mm. that um, has been running through my mind for a long time. Is happiness mm. a destination or a journey? And I ask this because, and I'm going to give you a silly comparison, right? Um, whenever we talk to people about, about hitting the gym or, or going, uh, mm. going on a fitness, uh, uh, starting your fitness journey and all, people, some people have this idea that, okay, after I work out for six months, I will mm. get get you know whatever body that I want and all that and and yeah. then it's it's yeah. it's done. That means it, it's yeah. done, you know. And then when you tell them no, this has to be a consistent thing for the rest of your life. They, for the rest of their lives, they are like, huh? You mean I have to work out five times a week every day for forever? <laughs> and we are saying, yeah, right. it, it has to be forever. And and that's just essentially fitness. It's not a bad thing. It's it's just right. a, it's just the, the reality of it. Because the moment you right. stop working on it. Um, weeks later, months later, you, yeah, you lose everything. Is happiness mm-hmm. the same way? That's a brilliant way to look at it because yeah. it's something that's tangible and people can see it and it's right. a good comparison. I think that's right. You know, like, let's say, for example, right, um, again, using a more tangible example, mm. someone tells you, I'll be happy if I get a million dollars. Okay, right. great. Go earn a million dollars. Get a million dollars. You're happy for the five minutes you look at your bank account, I've got a million dollars. And then, <laughs> you know, that's it, right? So right. what's next? What what else is for you? So I think um you're right to say like I think with happiness it's never a destination. Even when you call it a journey, so what what is a journey to happiness, right? Can you mm. can you realistically tell me that I'm gonna live my life in the pursuit of happiness, meaning that I do everything that I enjoy? Okay, but once you've done everything you enjoy, and then what? You know what happens. So instead of looking at um, happiness as a, a destination or as a journey, uh, a pursuit of happiness kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think rather forget about it, right? I think the more we think about it, the more we get preoccupied by it or obsessed by it, the more we keep looking for it here and there. And I think when that happens, we kind of forget 
what we actually need to do to actually be happy, which is to live life, right? To do things, to to speak to friends, to 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 make mistakes, to fall down, to 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 make uh, celebrate achievements and all that kind of good stuff because we just want more, 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 more of it. But I think all if right. we just live our lives the way we can, and when happiness comes, it's it's, it's almost like a nice surprise. It's like, hey, great, I'm I'm elated now, I'm ex- I'm exhilarated now, great, fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. So another great example would be like watching Arsenal. Like whenever we don't lose, like oh yeah, <laughs> awesome, great, you know. I don't watch Arsenal. I'm not an Arsenal fan to be happy because it's impossible, right? Right. But whenever we don't lose or whenever we win, it's like wow, fantastic, right? And right. I think that's also another good way to look at it as well. You know, when we talk about happiness, I think earlier you brought up something about comparing with, with people mm-hmm. around you. And this then makes me wonder if happiness is relative um, and mm. can comparing oneself with others cause an increase and decrease in happiness. And with that in mind, I guess the second part of the question is, should we be comparing uh, you know, uh, you know, with, with others and, and seeing? Because I, I think especially in this um, social media age yeah. and all that that seems to be a, a thing where a lot of people have this FOMO uh, fear of missing <laughs> out and and, th- yeah, yeah. and things like that um, how do you see it uh, is happiness relative uh, answer your second question first like, should yeah. we compare and I think the answer is definitely no because right. let's say for example if I'm the best uh, tennis player then I'll be happy like, for example right yeah you're never going to be the best tennis player forever. Eventually, you will start losing out, aging, whatever it is, and eventually someone will be better than you. So I think every time you compare with other people, it's not fair to you because everyone has different trajectories. Everyone has different starting points, timelines, expectations, demands, uh, goals, aspirations, and all that. Your idea of happiness, if it's defined by other people around you, like what other people are doing, means then you're never going to truly ever be happy because it's just always going to be chasing, 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 right? So mm-hmm. I think the social media thing that you brought up was, was fantastically correct because if you look at, um, you know, your photo apps, your social media apps and things like that, when was the last time people put up failures on them? Hardly right. ever, right? right. And you only put on things that are, you know, you're celebrating a, a launch or something, getting married, new relationships, or whatever it is, like you put on the happy things, happy moments that you want to celebrate in life. And, and that's fine. But when we get so caught up with this idea that, hey, this guy, Bob, is celebrating a milestone every single week or every single month or whatever it is, and I don't have that, and then it elicits this idea of wanting, this jealousy, this need to be as good as Bob, for example. But if I would ask you why, then your answer is just so that I can be as good as Bob. Would that make you happy? I don't think so. Right. right? So I think that's something we need to remind ourselves like, that social media is an illusion. Not because people are trying to be malicious. It's not that. It's just the way people use social media, right? People mm-hmm. don't celebrate, uh, don't, don't talk about their losses and their failures and whatnot on social media, right? You know, it's definitely relative like, because what makes me happy is what makes me happy, right? And right. what makes me happy right now might be something that you had five years ago. So I'm on my journey to be my own version of happy and somehow intersects yours. And you're thinking, oh, I had that last time. That doesn't mean happy. So it's fine. It's okay. You know? Mm. So that's why I think it's very, very relative, definitely. Have you noticed, um, I wonder, if there are generational differences when it comes to this existential problem with happiness? Because I look around me, like my friends and all, especially in this current era of social media 
of of passion of of hustle culture and all of that right you have a lot of i have friends um who are you know they say you know i i'm languishing i'm feeling down i'm not feeling happy and and when you ask them why a lot of them say things like i'm not able to to find a job that i absolutely love i don't know what i love um i i, I can't find a job that i'm genuinely passionate about you know everybody says you need to do something you're so passionate about something that gives you that has big meaning um you know and and i can't find it so you know i i'm feeling this sense of lost um or even the social media thing that you talked about you know where people compare themselves with others and on social media you see people a lot of people posting things like oh you know i'm doing the the job of my dreams and and so on and so forth you don't hear these sorts of things from our parents generation our grandparents generation you know they 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 never talked much about pursuing passions and finding passions and and all these kinds of things and i'm wondering if this has contributed to some people feeling unhappy people in you know our generation my generation those that are younger as well I I think the the generational comparison thing is an interesting idea that you brought up. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think with our parents generation for example, I'm pretty sure if you ask them, you know, would they have liked to do something that they wanted to do, love to do? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure the answer would be yes. Yeah. But I think what's different is that back then they didn't it's almost like they didn't have the option of wanting to, you know, pursue happiness or pursue things that they love because they needed to put a roof and food on the table, right? It's as simple as that, right? So even if they were not happy, they they grinded their way through it lah they needed to do what they needed to do to stay alive lah which is you know it is something that was of the generation in that sense right? right as the resources of the generations grow and especially to us right now where we have resources in abundance lah let's not say let's not talk about financial resources like because it's different for everybody lah mm-hmm. but resources in terms of um entertainment information time access to things for example and things like that we are the richest in any 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 time of society of our life, our, our society's timelines and that's mm-hmm. right and i think that allows people to then ponder these questions like you know um or, or pursue these kind of ideas like you know should i do things that i love that i want to do and all that and i think that's actually not a bad idea in on its own i think it's right. great mm-hmm. right now the problem is this when we start asking like exactly like what you said just now those people who are languishing and all that right when you don't know what makes you happy when you don't know what you love when you don't have a passion point to pursue some people know right i like sports i like journalism i like uh, psychology or whatever right. then great oh, more power to you go and do that but when you don't have that and you want to have the same kind of passion like your friends do i think that's when the problems occur because everyone says i must have it i must have it i must have it hey i don't Well, am mm-hmm. i weird am i wrong am i this you no know, oddball or am i problematic am i um, you know dysfunctional in some way and the answer is no it's because you either a haven't found it yet or b you just you you found it already and you're doing what you're doing and you're okay with it right right so is this whole idea of toxic positivity as well right people who are saying that you got to hustle you got to do be grateful and be mindful and then be happy and be positive and all that hey you know what that's all bull um you know i don't <laughs> Because right. ultimately, we are allowed to have bad days. We are allowed to be unhappy. We are allowed to have bad moments, like in that sense, and be and that's absolutely okay. Because we all human, right? right? There's no such thing as always happy in that sense, lah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to be, in some ways, not be like our parents' generation and things like that. But I think we can borrow some 
uh, what you call it, some 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 ability to accept lah, right, from our parents in that sense lah. There's sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes hey, it's not happy. Okay, fine. Let's move on. Let's see where we go from there, and not to be caught up with this idea of I need to thrive, I need to do well, I need to live my best life, and all that kind of stuff lah, in that sense lah. Before we wrap this conversation up, Doctor Joel, I want to ask you. How do we go about attaining happiness? And I know this can be a show in and of itself. It can be 20 shows in and of itself. It's complex. Like you mentioned, it's an individual thing. It differs from person to person. But perhaps if you have a philosophy or something to think about. As, as weird as this sounds, huh, mm-hmm. stop. Just stop looking for happiness. Stop okay. pursuing it. Stop trying to find it. Stop trying to get it. And just live your life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if your life right now is, you're young, you just graduated, you want to have a career, go do that. You know, your, you, your career stabilized. You want to find love and start a family, go do that, right? And I think along the way, happiness will find you. I think it's one of those things where, as cliches as it sounds, right? The more you try and find it, the more you try and put a label to it, you know, especially for those people who don't know what makes them happy. So they said, oh, Dashan likes uh, his mom's mutton curry. I'll try that. Maybe that made me happy. No, that doesn't work. Uh, Joel likes Arsenal. Maybe you should try that. No, that doesn't work. Uh, especially not if it's Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. There we go. So I think the more you try and um, waste time, I suppose, looking for happiness, it, it stops you from doing everything else that could potentially make you happy. So as weird as it sounds, my, my mm-hmm. advice would be to stop looking for happiness and just live your life. Just do whatever it is that you're doing. Um, enjoy what you're doing and, and let happiness find you. Like, and it will come to you eventually in some whatever way or form. Like. Now, the trick is this. When it comes, we need to catch it. Like, right? A lot of us, because we're so busy, we're so uh, caught up with things and all that kind of things, so we're looking at a bigger picture, bigger picture, bigger picture, that we forget that sometimes happiness really are the small moments here and there. It's like finding $10 on the side of the road and that makes you happy. It's about going to your favorite mama, mama and finding out that they have the, your favorite dish there available, hot, just came out of the kitchen, fantastic, great, I want that, for example. Um, you know, those small, more moments, like, I think those are the happy moments that we miss. And if you add them together, I think we make it a lot more happier. Like, right? So stop mm-hmm. looking at this. Smell the coffee and see what happens. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Joel. That was Dr. Joel Lowe, clinical psychologist, giving me the 101 on happiness. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app, bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashran Johan and this has been Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.